Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people with news, views and expert interviews. Hello, I'm Steve Randall and welcome to Constructive Voices. In this episode, we're talking about two things that are never far from the front of our minds. The impacts of climate change and artificial intelligence. We're talking about WINT, a system which detects and stops leaks at the source using AI. It alerts you when water's leaking and automatically shuts it off. Constructive Voices producer Jackie DeBurka has been speaking to Yaron Dysian, co-founder of WINT and its chief product and strategy officer. So WINT is all about managing water in buildings. Uh, a topic that's really been overlooked for too many years. Water is, uh, you know, kind of a dumb asset. It goes into the building, it gets used by the tenants or equipment in the building, and nothing manages it. And things that we don't manage tend to do what they feel like, which means, in the case of water, spill and cause massive damage or just leak away and waste a lot of water. And, you know, the, the reason uh, we started WINT, it's not just me, by the way, it's me and uh, my co-founders. You know, WINT is, uh, is dealing with a problem that I noticed is not being dealt with. In fact, a neighbor of mine had a water leak in his apartment after having uh, renovated it, and he had to redo the whole thing at huge costs. And that brought to my attention this, you know, significant problem. It's also, you know, as we see global warming and climate change take place in the world, one of the first impacts that these are having is uh, water scarcity. Places that we would never have guessed, such as London or Paris, are now becoming water stressed. It's a topic that needs to be taken care of. And so these were some of the reasons. Okay. That's really interesting, Aaron. What was your background before you actually founded WINT? You know, what's the path that led you there? Uh, you know, I've been doing tech for 30 years, over 30 years now. Uh, a lot of startup companies, I've dealt with anything from cybersecurity to electro-optical systems. And when you look at this world, the world of the built environment, buildings, construction sites, they are some of the slowest to adopt IT technologies. There are good reasons for this. But when you think of the upside, when something is, you know, lagging behind that many years, you can make a big difference. Um, it's easier to make a big difference in a place like the built environment by adding IT to it than, for instance, banks who are extremely uh, advanced in their adoption of IT. So, you know, it's, it's a great area to be uh, helping and to be making a, a big dent uh, for the world. Obviously, as you've already mentioned yourself, Aaron, water scarcity is a pressing global issue. And unfortunately, it's probably not going to you know, get any better as, as we see climate change happening quicker than you know, most of the scientists imagine it would even happen. How does wind water intelligence contribute to addressing this challenge, particularly in the context of the built environment that you've just mentioned? So here's an amazing statistic. About 25% of the water that gets into a building goes to waste. We don't see it, and there's no one overruling, overriding uh, reason. It's death by a thousand cuts. A leaky toilet here, a tap left open there, misconfigured irrigation system, a problem in your HVAC system. All of these add up amazingly fast to waste so much water. Uh, now, when wind goes into a building, we place uh, sensors, which are essentially water flow meters, the standard type that you would use to meter with your utility company. 
And we read this data, we read it uh, at very high time frequencies, and we use AI to analyze that water flow pattern. And when we do that, we can learn what is normal and what is abnormal. And an anomaly will eventually map out into one of two things, either waste, such as a leaky toilet, or damage, such as a pipe breaking in the wall. And so when we go into a building and install our systems, they start alerting the, the, the staff that's maintaining the building. And things that have gone unnoticed are now top of mind, and you can go and fix them. Usually the fixes are very simple and very easy to do. It's just being aware that that thing is happening. And so our contribution comes from the fact that we can identify that bad things are going on in the building, alert the staff when needed, shut off water. We can automatically shut water off. Uh, and that's very helpful for damage prevention. Uh, and by just putting all of this stuff in front of our customers' uh, eyes, they can go and take care of it, resolve the issues, and save that much water in the building. So typically, our customers will save about a quarter of their water, uh, reduce their water bills. And by the way, water has a big carbon footprint. So we will also reduce the building's carbon footprint throughout this process. Tell us in a bit more depth, though. I mean, obviously, these days, everybody's familiar with the term AI and plenty of people are fascinated about it. Some, some people are quite worried about it. How exactly does AI work with the pipes and the systems that are already in a building? How is this actually possible? Go into a bit more detail as to how it actually functions. So AI is really a very broad set of technologies. You know, the AI that we all know with ChatGPT, which is generative AI, uh, is using the same basis or same technological basis as we are, but it, it, it's different. It's not the same. Our branch of AI is what's called anomaly detection. When you do anomaly detection, you look at an environment, you look at a situation, in this case, the water flow in the building in the third floor or in the irrigation mm -hmm. system or, or mm -hmm. wherever. You look at what is happening there and you just observe it for a while. And you let the algorithms understand that this is normal. There's a variety of ways to do this. It's actually quite complex processing. But think of this and try to imagine this. It's tough on a voice podcast. But think of a chart that shows water flow rate, 100 liters per hour, 50 liters per hour, 500 liters per hour. And it kind of creates a chart over time. So you can see if I open a tap, you will see all of a sudden the flow rate increase. And when I shut it off, you'll see the flow rate drop. You look at these charts and you let the algorithm, the AI algorithm, analyze them. They actually create, if you will, a picture. This picture has normal behaviors and it has abnormal behaviors. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, if we're in an office building, you do not expect to see that chart demonstrate water is flowing 24 seven hour, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week because during the night or during the weekend, the office building is empty. So when you initially go in, you will see that in certain times of the day, the flow reaches zero. But then again, on other times, it is used with certain patterns. So if all of a sudden I've got a weekend and water continuously flows for 24 hours, that's not normal. So that's an example, kind of a, a visualization, if you will, of what the algorithm does. It's really fascinating. And don't worry about the charts. We can include them on the website for the episode page so people can see them. One of the things that I heard prior to our, our chat today, Aaron, is you were on another podcast and you mentioned some quite startling statistics about water 
and the built environment stroke construction sectors. Can you share these with our audience, please? There are two areas to the impact of water in the built environment. The first is the waste. We mentioned that approximately 25% of the water going into a building goes to waste and generates fantastic amounts of carbon emissions. So if you think of a single example that we had, and, and I can mention the customer's name simply because you know it, it went public, but the Empire State Building installed us and we identified uh, water waste in one of their building's uh, electromechanical systems was wasting water at a rate of $100,000 a year. That was just going down the drain, very difficult to identify because it was going through some internal mechanism of the system. Down the drain, nobody notices an impact except for the water bills. And the second element of this waste is the carbon emissions. That specific example, when we calculated the carbon emissions that it generates, was equal every year to flying a full passenger plane with 170 people between London and New York. And that's just out of some hidden water leak that's happening in, in some electromechanical system. So that's in terms of the waste, uh, the amounts of water and their impact on the environment. A second element is the damage aspect. Water damage in buildings is the number one cause of pain in quite a few insurance categories. Insurance companies are now saying water is the new fire, where fire used to be the big problem for insurance companies in the past. That problem has not been 100% resolved, but has pretty much been diminished to a, a less, significantly less of a concern, while water has risen up the list. Water in certain categories accounts for a full 30% of the damages that insurance companies pay for the full uh, category of insurance policies. So, for example, Builder's risk, the, the insuring of a construction project, uh, suffer 30% of everything, every loss that happens in the building goes to water damage. Think of it, a construction project is a very risky location, right? You know, people may, you know, God forbid, fall off uh, and, and hurt themselves or yes. even die. Fires may, and there's a lot of stuff that can happen in this kind of location. Yet 30%, a full 30% of insurance payouts come from a pipe that bursts somewhere in the construction site. So this is a very big deal for insurance companies. And they're trying to sort it out and solve it and make it go away, like they managed to do with fire. In the UK, for example, there is a group that's coming up with what's called JCOP, Joint Code of Practice, which will enforce water leak mitigation systems on construction sites so insurance companies know the problem is being dealt with and do not need to pay out more than is required. On operational buildings, a building that's already inhabited, it's also a very big problem, uh, being the number three most common source of issues for insurance or claims. So if you look at it, water has two sides to it. One, it gets wasted. With water stress, that's obviously not, not a desirable thing. And it also has that insurance uh, impact. Finally, if you've ever been in a building or in an apartment or a house, that suffered significant water loss, you do not want to be there again. I mean, the damage, it's like a silent killer. You get back into the facility after the leak has happened, the damage is phenomenal. Sometimes walls need to be torn down, carpets need to be pulled out, equipment, it's extremely painful. I guess you're talking about the likes of the kind of molds that, that can be formed after, after leaks such as that. That's exactly right. And, and they're extremely difficult to get rid of. Once they're in the wall, it's, it's terrible. 
especially mm. in wood buildings, but in general. There's so many aspects, obviously, from, from how you're describing, Aaron, so many aspects uh, to wind. Sustainable construction obviously involves balancing environmental concerns with economic concerns, which is probably one of the biggest challenges at the moment, you know, as we try to shift and, and fight against climate change. How does wind strike this balance, Yarn, and help construction projects actually become more sustainable without compromising their financial viability? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the nice things that we're really proud of. The solution brings a combination of sustainability that essentially pays for itself with you know, with even some some money left, uh, you know, after all the math is done. So on the sustainability side, you know, we reduce water waste, we reduce the carbon emissions. Uh, on the money side, that water saving actually translates to real real money. Uh, so most of our customers will actually see a return on investment coming from just the water savings. There is obviously also uh, savings that are more statistical in nature and a little bit more difficult to quantify or estimate, which is you know the damage of prevent uh, the, the prevention of damage because you know how much damage and what would be its cost uh, would have uh, would have occurred had we not protected the building is a very difficult question. But we've got some comparative analysis showing that we prevent approximately 90% of the damage. So that's also a component of the savings and the financial impact. And I think, um, you know, the combination of these two things ensures that you can both be profitable and sustainable. Many organizations are investing significantly to make their buildings greener from a lead perspective or from a BREAM perspective. Uh, the cost of a lead or BREAM point could be quite significant if you think of covering the building with special uh, coatings on, on windows and so on. Uh, lead points and BREAM points coming from WINS water management are actually low cost relative to most other lead points that can be gained. So they're a quick win, essentially. Quick and low cost win, yes. Would you like to share costs, Yaron, or is that sort of depending on a project by project basis? It does depend on the project by project basis. I will say the model is hardware, you know, valves and meters we do not manufacture. We can provide them to the customer uh, or the customer can buy them uh, on their own. And it'll really vary, right? It depends on the pipe size. A small, uh, the equipment for a small pipe could be 100 maybe 200 pounds per unit. Large, uh, large pipes require big equipment, you know, that's heavy, sometimes even needs, uh, you know, mechanical lifting. Uh, so these things could go for thousands of pounds. It really depends. When we go into a project, we will map it out and recommend what type of systems are, are needed per that project's plumbing system. In terms of the ongoing fees, they will be at the tens of pounds per month per system. Okay. It seems, it seems very economical, obviously, once you get your infrastructure in place at the beginning, which is your, a little bit like a solar system, isn't it? You know, your, your outlay is there at the beginning and then the savings can be very, very worthwhile as you go along. Yep, exactly. Now, next question. Where is Wint operational at the moment, Yaron? We directly have offices in the U.S., the UK, London, and uh, Tel Aviv. We have mm-hmm. partners in other regions of the world, so uh, UAE. Uh, we have partners in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. We have partners in Singapore. We are uh, starting to operate in other European countries. So mm-hmm. we're, we're actually quite uh, international at this point. Excellent. Okay. Now, one thing that popped into my mind, because I am very curious about technology, how does the technology adjust on a construction site? 
that's something that's much more, at least in my mind, it would be uh, more challenging to find out the norms and, and then spot because the construction site obviously is changing as construction proceeds. Yeah, it's a really good question. Construction sites are more hectic than, uh, you know, a standard operating building. Yet, surprisingly, when you dive deep into the patterns, you see that there are things that are, are very uh, common. And that's really the power of AI, being able to decipher behaviors from what we as humans you know, may think of as a mess. I'll give you a really simple example. There is never a flow rate of over 5,000 liters per hour in the building. That's a very simple observation, but it's something that comes up and the system can learn it. Uh, water is never used for more than 45 minutes. Things like that. They're not all accurate, and these are just examples, but that's the kind of thing that the algorithm can come up with. Uh, we have done some very, very deep studies that essentially will tell you what is uh, the probability of being able to stop a leak in certain conditions, for example, a construction site up to a certain volume of water. So I can tell you what the probability of stopping a leak over a thousand liters is in a construction site and the numbers are good. And so an important thing to say about this whole technology overall, this is not an absolute. It is statistical in nature, but we are looking of way upwards of 95% of blocking, even on complex construction sites, of blocking these leaks at what is very sustainable levels of, of water flowing into the building. It will never be zero, by the way, and we will not catch everything. So it's, it's, you know, it's an important observation. We are not 100% guaranteed, but if you look at the statistics, they are extremely good. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. And Yaron, one other question comes to mind because I do work a lot on a computer and therefore I'm very curious. With generative AI, they talk about, you know, obviously all of its benefits, but they also talk about some of the experts that it, it is prone to lying from time to time. Is that the case with anatomy uh, AI? And I don't think I've said that very well, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the term uh, uh, they like to use uh, for for generative AI is hallucinations. I mean, okay, things will hallucinate. And, you know, yeah. I, I've seen crazy situations where they ask a question about a person, tell me about that person, all of a sudden, you know, the thing makes up a story about him being a criminal and <laughs> crazy things. <laughs> um, and so it's not relevant in our world. In our world, the world of anomaly detection, this is really not, not, not even a possibility. Uh, it's a world where you try to identify the anomaly and you do so with a success level. But at the end of the day, if you think of it, you know, there, there's no room for a hallucination. At the end of the day, the system will tell you I'm seeing a leak or I'm not seeing a leak, and that's it. It won't come up with an elaborate story around that. So the the reason for the hallucinations, because you're a technological person, obviously, is overload of too much information to, to decipher too many different types of information. Why does that happen? It, it really happens because what these uh, large language models are designed to do is build excellent sentences based on a huge pile of examples they've seen. They are mm -hmm. not designed to actually provide correct facts. That is not a design goal. Now they're putting that in, but originally it's not a design goal. The design goal is just to speak eloquently. So, you know, you ask it to speak eloquently about a topic and it will, it did not check the facts. 
Um, so you have to be very careful if you use ChatGPT to check for facts. Make sure to double and triple check. You know, I've, I've asked it questions and I asked it to give me a link, you know, a, a web link to a reference. And the web link always comes broken. And it took me a while to understand that it's not really giving me a web link. It's creating the language equivalent of what seems to be a good web link. But at right. the end of the day, there's not a web page behind it. So, you know, that's an example. Uh, but it's really, it really comes from what they were designed to do. Now, there's enormous work all over the world happening now to, uh, to make this much more factual. Hmm. Um, and, and they'll get there. But think of it, hmm. you know, we're really in generation 1.0 of that technology. Sure. Okay. So in comparison to anom anomaly AI, it's just programmed to check for, for, for what the issues are, no? Correct. We're, I mean, this is a very different type of, of uh, situation. You know, take a look at the water flow and figure out, does this look like the typical pattern that you'd see normally, mm. or does it look like an anomaly? Yes, no, if, you know, and, and of course you need to do it well. What you don't want happening is too many false alerts or misses, right? Too many false alerts is annoying. Too many misses, wow, you know, I'll, I could let the building drown and the risk is high. So that's, that's the challenge here. So the challenge with yours is basically getting the balance right for, for finding what they need to find. Exactly. Fantastic. So I don't know what, what kind of names you're allowed to mention and not mention, but let's go and talk about some real world examples, success stories about how Wint has helped. Absolutely. So I mentioned Empire State Building. We helped them in, you know, in multiple types of situations. One was identify a very large uh, wasteful leak that resulted in around $100,000 a year of water waste uh, and the associated uh, carbon emissions. We also caught at a very early stage a pump that imploded in one of the high floors. Can you think of a pump imploding and the main riser bringing in water into the Empire State Building? Think of that imploding. I mean, yeah. the damage could be phenomenal. Uh, we okay. caught it when the pump was just starting to leak, uh, dripping. We caught it, we alerted the team there, you know, went and fixed it. Uh, so that's an example. Uh, we work with companies like Mace. Mace, for example, uh, you know, projects all over London, They've essentially standardized with Wint. Uh, they've seen a significant reduction in their uh, uh, pain related to water since we joined. In fact, I'm not aware of any water damage incident on any MACE project for the past few years ever since they started using us. So, no, they, they've done, I think they, they, they should be quite happy uh, with what they've done there. Places like Canary Wharf South Bank, uh, right behind the London Eye, uh, you know, high-end apartments, they're using us, you know, saved water, prevented damage uh, quite a few years at this point. As the list goes on. We have hundreds and hundreds of enterprise customers. We have 10,000 systems deployed. Uh, anything from, you know, multi-tenant apartment buildings uh, to commercial buildings to construction sites. So, yeah, you've mentioned Mace Office here are... You know, they have a, a, a good reputation of being leaders when it comes to sustainability. So I'm not that surprised that they're one of your clients, obviously. From the insurance perspective, is there recognition already at this stage by insurance companies about Wint? Absolutely. There's pretty significant recognition. I can say some insurance companies 
uh, are mandating uh, wind for high-risk projects. Others are providing incentives in the form of premium reductions or reduced deductibles. And w- one of the amazing things is because water has become such a big deal, insurance companies have been raising deductibles to pretty scary levels. Uh, it could be a quarter million to a half a million pounds uh, per incident. Uh, which means that in many cases, you're simply not insured against water damage. Um, And so when wind is deployed, quite a few insurance companies will provide a reduction in both premium and reduced deductibles. We also have partnerships. So we have a partnership with HSB Munich Re. Uh, HSB is a daughter company of Munich Re, one of the world's largest insurers. And they have basically come out with the warranty program. So they will warrant that wind operates and detects leaks. And if we miss, they will pay. And the warranty is not too expensive. Uh, and it covers, you know, those half a million or a quarter million, whichever is relevant in your deductible plan. So to us, that was a very, very big event because, you know, first of all, we can provide this benefit to our customers. And also, you know, it shows that a very large insurer who is very capable and they've done their technical due diligence has essentially agreed to put insurance money behind uh, WINS technology and algorithms. So it's it's kind of a, a sign of what people think of us. Yeah, that's really excellent. Now, you're, obviously, that's been a partnership that you're delighted about and, and, and why wouldn't you be? Are you involved in any other collaborations, particularly when it comes to advancing sustainability, which is one of our, you know, kind of pet themes here on on Constructive Voices? Absolutely. Uh, You know, if you look at some of the annual sustainability reports coming from some of our, you know, primary customers, water has become a big deal. So if you look at HP, Empire State Realty Trust, which is the, the parent company of Empire State Building, uh, large pharmaceuticals. Many of these organizations are now making water sustainability uh, a top priority. So carbon is always number one. Water is typically number two, uh, and you can see that in in many of these organizations' reports. So you know, water sustainability and the benefits and the savings that we provide them are, are becoming uh, quite a significant. Uh, uh, thing. I think generally, you know, the world has been focused over the past few years and probably will be for the next many years on carbon prevention because that's, you know, dealing with the root cause of global warming. But there's also uh, the adaptation aspect. So global warming is is happening. You know, we need to reduce it, but it, it, it will happen. I think that's kind of, a, you know, uh, common wisdom these days. And so how do we adapt uh, when one of the major impacts of global warming is water stress? That is becoming a major area of focus, and many of our customers are working on that. Where do you see wind, let's say, five years from now? Given the importance of managing water properly in buildings, I believe that it will become a standard. If you think, uh, what, 100 years ago, there were not elevators and there were not sprinkler systems in buildings. Now, you wouldn't even give it a second thought of, you know, should I install an elevator or a sprinkler system? And I think water management in buildings is going down that path. We're already seeing that. So while most of our current customers have retrofitted wind into the building, we're already working with quite a few customers who who have that forward-looking thinking, and they are putting water management equipment into the design of the building. 
And I think in, in five to 10 years, it will become an industry standard and you would be frowned upon if you're not installing water management in the building, because why would you not? I mean, the actual cost of the equipment is not high. A valve and a meter per floor, it's nothing relative to the construction project's costs. And it makes so much sense to make the water more uh, the building more water sustainable and more waterproof. This is Constructive Voices. Another fascinating conversation on Constructive Voices. Jackie DeBurka speaking with Yaron Dyson from Wint. And I'm sure we're all well aware of the damage that leaking water can do. And just great to hear about the possibilities of AI helping to solve a major problem within the construction and building management industry. And of course, you can find out more about Yaron and Wint by going onto our website, constructive-voices.com. Don't forget the dash and check information in the show notes too. And that's all for this episode of Constructive Voices. Please take a moment to share it with others who may find it interesting. Follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes automatically on your favourite podcast app and rate and review the podcast if you can. You can also listen to the latest episode by saying, Alexa, play Constructive Voices podcast. Here's Constructive Voices. Here's the latest episode. And on our website where there's lots more information too. That's constructive-voices.com. Don't forget the dash. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're really helping us build something. Music